to join us are able to do so. Right, welcome to everyone uh, to our new series for, for the new year. Uh, of course, we just finished reading the Torah yesterday um, and we started it anew. So we're at Bereshit Bara once more in the beginning. And uh, for those who may or may not be aware, I have had a uh, personal um, practice for many years of choosing a parish year by year to learn. Occasionally, I do repeat um, some of the classic commentaries that I feel I have uh, uh, forgotten. Actually, I've probably forgotten, you know, a lot of them, but in any case, occasionally I do repeat them, but I also tend to look for something new that I can uh, share with, with all of you. And my friend for the year is called Rabbi Yaakov Tzvi Mecklenburg. You may or may not have heard of him. His commentary is called Haksav Kabbalah, which means the text and the tradition, or probably more fully, the written law, the Torah Shebiksav, the written Torah. Kabbalah refers to the received Torah, that is to say, the Torah which is received by way of tradition, by transmission or the oral Torah, the Torah Shabal Peh. That's what he means when he says Kabbalah. I'll just tell you briefly about him. He lived in Konigsberg. He was the rabbi in Konigsberg for about 37 years. Um, he was born in uh, 18, I'm sorry, in 1785 in the town of Lissa. And he died in 1865. So he lived for 80 years. Uh, Mecklenburg presumably was the, the town from which his uh, ancestors derived. Um, as I said, he wasn't himself born in, in that town of Mecklenburg, but rather rather elsewhere in Prussia. And he lived in Konigsberg, which was an important uh, city, a German-speaking city, albeit under probably some Russian influence. But it, there was a lot of German uh, sort of... Um, uh, cultural and intellectual ferment in that city as well. And that is very relevant uh, to his commentary because the winds of reform, of religious uh, reform and Haskalah enlightenment were sweeping across Germany. And he was among the very prominent and I would say very uh, um, uh, not just prominent defenders of orthodoxy, but among those who were able to respond in kind to the critiques of the reform movement. And his commentary, as we shall see, uh, draws on a wide range of sources, uh, classical sources, many more recent sources, recent to him at any rate. But he does so with an intellectual bent, with a an analytical style in which he seeks to clarify the meaning of the text, the meaning of the words, there's philology, uh, etymology, to understand the meaning of the, the words and the derivation of the words. And he shows, and that's really the whole point, he shows the unity and the, uh, in the, the, the interrelatedness of the written Torah and the oral Torah, and that the rabbinic commentary uh, is not based on fanciful or like imaginative um, sort of uh, 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 explanations that the rabbis dreamt up, 
but rather there is a basis in the text and it's not just a whimsical or casual basis but it has firm foundations in logic and firm foundations in the actual um like development of the hebrew language i don't want to tell you too much about the commentary we're going to learn it and then we'll see for ourselves just a couple of brief additional biographical comments uh, he was a disciple of rabbi akiva eger the great rabbi akiva eger his main mentor in his hometown was the son of rabbi david tevel rabbi david tevel was the author of nachlas david who in turn was a leading disciple of rabbi chaim valajan who in turn was the most prominent, most well-known disciple of the Vilna Gaon himself. We will see even tonight that Rabbi Mecklenburg quotes the Gra very often. He uh, regards the Vilna Gaon's teachings and writings as uh, fundamental and in a way, I mean, he doesn't say this, but I would say that he is extending the approach of the Vilna Gaon. In other words, uh, the foundation of his own commentary, I would say, rests in significant part on the brilliant and, and uh, 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 compelling explanations of the Vilna Gaon uh, himself. Uh, he influenced two other great rabbis of the 20th of the 19th century who like him engaged in the battle of of uh, intellect with the um, advocates of reform and like him they developed an, uh, an analysis of the Hebrew language and they elevated it to a very sophisticated level and that is the Malbim and Rasmusfel Hirsch uh, they were both influenced by uh, Rabbi uh, Mecklenburg in the commentary that we're going to now study uh, together without uh, further ado. So let's start, hope you have a chumash with you, with chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. I'll just open up my chumash as well. So here in the creation narrative, Vayomer Elohim Tad Haaretz Desha Eisev Mazriya Zera Hashem said, uh, let the land produce uh, grass or herbs. Asif Mazria Zera, uh, grass that produces uh, grass, and without going into the botany of it, I'm not that expert in it, but obviously grass propagates, and that capacity was in, in, embedded within grass when Hashem created the world. That's Desha Asif Mazria Zera. Eitz pre eitz ose, uh, eitz pre a fruit-bearing tree that produces other fruit like it. Look at the next poster. So the earth did so. It produced a, a grass that would uh, in turn propagate uh, according to its kind. So what I'd like to share with you is the fascinating observation he says about the word liminehu. What is the meaning of that expression liminehu after its kind? Because again, in verse 11, got to pay close attention to the Hebrew. In verse 11, after its kind in the masculine. In the masculine, let me know in the uh, masculine singular. But in the following verse, it says, So 
it's not so common that we find that um, uh, suffix, hey and vav. So he wants to clarify, to somehow like establish clearly what is the significance of liminehu. Why doesn't it say limino after its kind? What's liminehu after its kind in the plural? It could say um, uh, liminehem, and that again would be the more usual form. So he quotes Ibn Ezra, who says it's really the same. Uh, the hey vav ending liminehu is the same as yud vav liminav. Actually, Ibn Ezra himself critiques that approach. He quotes it from an earlier authority and he critiques it. But Ksava um, uh, Kabbalah uh, essentially uh, vindicates that expression. He says at the simple level, it's just the same as as. Uh, liminav, it's the plural form that takes the place of the yudvav liminav, liminehu in the plural form. And he says, Targum Unculus renders it that way as well. If you've got Unculus uh, in the text that you have in front of you, like the art scroll, uh, Chomish will have the Unculus there. And there you have Ispa Devar Lizanohi, liminehu after its kind, Lizanohi. After its kind is in the Aramaic rendition, Liminohi. Says Ryakotsvi Mecklenburg, though, and this I found fascinating, quotes the Vilna Gaon, and the Vilna Gaon says there's something deeper here as well. Liminehu, he recalls the verse in Shir Hashiri, in the Song of Songs, and there we have the. Sorry, just let me find it in my text. There we have the words, Yashkeni Minishikos Pihu. May he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Yashkeni Minishikos Pihu. Say the rabbis, Kinishikas Chasan Vekala, as a groom kisses his bride. Says the Vilna Gaon, what prompted the rabbis to use that imagery? I mean, the uh, turn of phrase itself is pretty uh, evocative in its own right. Why do the rabbis have to spell it out to say the way a groom kisses his bride? Says the Vilna Gaon because it says, Yashkein Meshikos Pihu, Pihu the Hey Vav. He says that the Hey, if it said Piha, it would mean her mouth. If it said Piv, it would mean his mouth. The Torah uses in Shir Hashirim, we have the hey and the vav to indicate it's a kiss of both of them together. Uh, yesterday, actually, it was on, on a Tuesday when we left the circle for the last time. So I mentioned at Kesher that the Mishnabura quotes the Shla. He says, I have seen great people in their love of the mitzvah of sukkah or even the mitzvah of matzah. They kiss the matzah. He says they kiss the sukkah. And he says this is because of the love of the mitzvah. And he says, happy, joyous, fortunate are those who serve God with joy. So we kiss the, the walls of the sukkah. So, you know, I can kiss the sukkah. Uh, my daughter can kiss the sukkah. It's, it's the kisses of a male, kisses of a female. Piha, piv, 
But the Torah says, Pihu, the, the Shir Hashirim says, with the He and the Vav to indicate it's like a male and a female, Chosen Vakala. It's a kiss that has the connotation of the intimacy, but also the connectedness, the interrelationship between the two. And that's Yashkenim and Ishikos Pihu says the Vilna Gaon, that is the meaning here as well. That's why it says Liminehu, in order to hint to the uh, the male and the female, because the whole point here is the propagation of the plants, of the, of the flowers, of the herbs, of the trees. That is accomplished through the male and the female. Now, so happens that Rav Yaakov C. Mecklenburg was quite knowledgeable about natural sciences. He may have been aware that trees reproduce through pollinization and they need the male and the female. I don't know if you're aware, some trees, some types of trees are either male or female. And if you have a male tree, it's never going to produce any more fruit if it's only on its own. It needs a female tree as well. It needs the pollinization, the, 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 the pollination of uh, whether it bees or, or sometimes other insects as well. And that is the way that trees reproduce. There is that male and female interaction. But of course, at the deeper level, the, the, the Torah here is indicating how nature is interrelated. Nature functions in a way which is extraordinary, which is dazzling in its complexity and in its beauty. Says Rav Yakutsi Mecklenburg, I'm sorry, it is a mouthful, but can be, that's his name. Uh, he says, quoting the Vilnagon, that may be the meaning. That's what the Torah says. Liminehu, in order to hint to the male and female. And by the way, the He and Vav are two letters of the Tetragrammaton. The name of Hashem is Yud and He, Vav and He. The Vav and the He allude to the capacity for creation. That is the creative capacity that Hashem has endowed nature with that means of propagating the, the, the species and nature itself. Hashem did not simply create the world to remain static, but Hashem created the world with the capacity to replicate itself, liminehu. To me, this is a fascinating, eye-opening insight into that expression, liminehu, rather than just limino or, or liminav. And uh, um, I think that, to me, it sheds new light on the meaning at the subtle level of that expression, liminehu. I want to turn now uh, to uh, verse 28. So it's also chapter one, Pasuk Chavches. And here, Adam and Eve have been created. God said, be fruitful and multiply. And fill the world and subdue it. And rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heaven and every um, creature that swarms upon the earth. Very important possible, really. This gives man the license uh, and the mission to subdue the world, to, to uh, um, exploit nature. Of course, there's a kind of balance there. Man is put into the Garden of Eden, to work it and to guard it as well. So there is that duty of, of custodianship as well, 
Um, but I don't want to go down the environmental route for the purpose of this conversation. However, what I want to share with you, again, I love the originality of it. Rav Yaakov Tzvi Mecklenburg says the following. He quotes Ramban. Ramban says that uh, Hashem gave mankind the, the uh, power, the capacity, the authority to dominate the world in accordance with their will. The vehemos, the, the animals, the shrotzim, and other creatures, whatever swarms upon the earth, man is the top of the, of the hierarchy, the top of the food chain, whatever you might want to think about it. Vilimnos to build, to uproot, to plant, and from the mountains to um, quarry uh, stones or uh, iron, and that sort of thing. That, that's what Ramban says, and that's how it's usually understood. Hashem gave man the capacity to harness the power of nature, to develop the power of nature for his own purposes. And indeed, there is no other creature that has the, the means, the capacity, the intellect uh, to subdue nature in the way that, that man uh, has. I made a bracha earlier. I'm not going to say bracha now. just in case anyone knows. Says the Ksava Kabbalah that the word mil'u, uh, it's odd that the Torah says, take again a close look, fill the world and subdue it. He says, filling the world and subduing it, those are two separate things. Filling the world just means to propagate, that is to say the human uh, race will uh, increase generation after generation. He will spread out and eventually he'll fill the world. I mean, maybe an overpopulation issue, but initially in the early generations, the world is vast. Um, uh, it's, it's wild, it's uncultivated, it's undeveloped, and man is given that blessing and that opportunity. Says Xavier Kabbalah, though, it doesn't really fit that well with the word vikif shuha and subdue it, filling it and subduing it are two different things. Besides which, Ramban says it refers to planting and to uprooting, to quarrying, to mining, to mine uh, 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 iron ore or silver or gold or coal or petroleum. Those are maybe out of fashion, but for a long time they were extremely useful, still are useful, uh, maybe a bit damaging, but they're still very useful. It says the word v'kif shua, subdue it. It's like to rule over, over something. It doesn't really fit well with those kinds of activities which deal with the inert earth. It's more applicable to the, the bale chayim, to the animals, to rule over the animals. So he suggests the meaning is something different. Mil'uha starts to fill the world. It doesn't mean to fill. It means to fulfill. It means to um, fill an absence, to fill a void. And he gives a few examples of it. Psukim Narak should be familiar to us. He says, Es mispar yamecha amale. I will complete the number of your days. In other words, if a person, life expectancy is 80, let's say. So Hashem says, I will enable you to live to the age of 80 maybe even more than 80. Your life will not be cut short, as can sometimes happen. Mil'u is, uh, I'm sorry, uh, means I will 
complete. I will allow you to complete your days. Uh, um, or, or an absence of, um, of speech. If a person says half a sentence and someone else finishes the sentence, or if a person expresses, tries to express an idea, can't clarify his meaning. He's trying to think of an example to illustrate what he's trying to say. Can't think of one. There's someone else who understands the subject, and he, he adds, he like supplements, he completes the idea that the first person began to say. This was said by the prophet Nathan, who was trying to help Bathsheba, the wife of King David. He was trying to help her persuade the king that her son Shlomo HaMelech should reign. It's in the Haftarah. It's the very beginning of the book of Kings. And it's in the Haftarah for Parshas. I've got it here. You can look it up. So Nathan, the prophet, said to Bathsheba, you go speak to King David, speak to the king, and when you're finished, I'm going to come in right away, and I will complete your words. I will back you up. I will sort of um, like uh, validate or I will extend your words. Or God will fulfill all of your all of your needs, all of your requests. God will fulfill them. So he says, it doesn't just mean fill the word, it means to complete the world. He says, What does it mean to complete the world? The world, nature has provided uh fruit, vegetables, grain. That's wonderful. It enables animals. To, to, to flourish. But people, there are a lot of fruits and vegetables and certainly grains that people cannot eat very well as they are in their natural form. Or even wheat, how much wheat grows naturally in the wild? Not all that much. He says, in order for man to uh, uh, harness the power of nature, he needs tools. I'll read you a few lines here. He says, Initially, man looked around and the world was full. Hashem had created nature that was bursting with life. But he didn't have a scythe or a sickle with which to harvest, to cut down the grain. He did not have a, um, a, a, um, a, a threshing uh, implement with which to, to thresh the wheat. He didn't have a mill with which to grind it. He didn't have an oven within which to bake the bread. He didn't have a house in which to live. He didn't have something to protect him from the rain and from the elements, from the heat of the sun. Okay, heat of the sun, he could probably find a tree, but he, he needs so much more. So the meaning says, Hashem blessed Adam and Eve with the ingenuity, the ability to harness the power of nature and to build tools. This is this from the Stone Age to the Iron Age to the Bronze Age. The ability of man to progress from the hunter-gatherer. I mean, even the hunter needs tools with which to hunt. They had nothing at first. This blessing, it means complete the world. Hashem said, I've created a world which has fantastic potential. I'm going to endow you with the talent, with the ingenuity, with the means to develop tools so that you will be able indeed to harness the power of the world. It's with regard to the fulfilling of the, the deficiencies. That's what it says. 
fill the world, meaning fill the deficiencies in the world through the ingenuity of creating tools. But then he takes it further in a beautiful, and I would suggest important, Musar vein. So he says like this, You will, again, have the gift, have the ingenuity and the means, the, 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 the um, brain power and the, the maybe uh, through trial and error to uh, compensate for that which is missing. Problem is, what about that expression uh, of subdue it? He says, now that you have the tools, now that you have all the time-saving devices, you've got to subdue your Yetzer Hara. Because when man is the hunter-gatherer, he has to expend so much of his time and his effort and his energy, he and his wife and his children, just to bring in their daily bread. I mean, again, in the early generations, who had bread? The idea of baking bread, making bread, manufacturing bread, they had to figure that out. They had to create tools for it. Little by little, over the course of, of probably, I wouldn't say centuries, probably a lot more, as, as we know. Uh, we don't know to, need to get into the um, paleontology of it uh, needlessly, but it took time, and man eventually developed time-saving devices. And my friends, that process still continues to this day. Time saving is technology, technology, the principle of industrial progress, the industrial revolution, uh, created opportunities for man's capacity to uh, harness the power of nature in ways which earlier generations could only dream of. And that has been going on, as I say, for a long, long time, probably never more dramatically or rapidly than, our, than in our own times. Although, as I say, the Industrial Revolution, other types of revolutions made a big difference as well. But, excuse me, says Xavier Kabbalah, this idea of V'chiv Shuha, the reference is to subdue your own Yetzer Hara. Because a man or a woman who has too much time on his hands so that can allow time and you know intellectual imagination and fantasies and the pursuit of fantasies and the pursuit of gratification, which if a person is laboring from morning to night just to survive, doesn't have the leisure for that. But if he has the technology that make his life so much more comfortable, so much more efficient, he saved so much time, what does he do with <laughs> extra time? That's v'chiv shuha, learn to harness the power of the mind and use it for good, use it for your own betterment. Um, someone showed me a book recently, uh, it was written in Hebrew called Eved Kiyim Loch, the slave who becomes a king. It's rendered in English, in English translation, I like the title, it's called When the Tool Begins to Rule. It's actually a book, a little booklet about the perils of a mobile phone. Uh, it's a tool and it's a valuable tool. It's a useful tool. It's probably an indispensable tool, but it can come to rule. And when our lives are, are 
almost dominated by technology, when a man becomes a slave to technology, then he's failing in the blessing of Echiv Shuha, the blessing which is also a challenge. Because like most blessings, it, uh, the blessing of filling the world, and as we say, developing the technology, the ingenuity to complete that which is lacking in the world, then we have the need to subdue and to control my own Yitzhahara, that's Ezehu Gibar HaKoveshes Yitzro, who is powerful, who is strong, one who subdues his own inclination. So again, I don't repeat myself every time, I thought this is a fascinating insight, just such a well-known uh, uh, verse, which I thought I understood quite well, according to the classic uh, Mefarshim, fill the world and subdue it. We've Xavier Kabbalah reveals another possible interpretation, which uh, I enjoyed very much. We've got uh, technically about one minute left. I'll try to uh, not uh, exploit your time uh, excessively. But I want to share with you in chapter 3, verse 9, again, one of the very famous verses, in fact, one of the famous words in Bereshis, after the sin of eating from the tree of knowledge, Hashem calls to Adam, it's Pasuk Gimel, it's Perek Gimel, Pasuk Tes, chapter 3, verse 9, Hashem calls to him and he says to Adam, Ayeka, where are you? Ayeka. So, I told you that a lot of his greatness, Ksava Kabbalah, is philology, the study of words, the meaning of words, the, the, the development of language. He asked, what is the difference between Afo, which means where, and Aye, which means where? Ayeka is where are you? Efoata. Why not say Efoata? Where are you? Is there any difference between Aye? and Eifo. Well, if you ask me, I would have said, I'm sure there's a difference. I couldn't tell you what it is. The reason I'm sure there is a difference is that the Torah doesn't use two different words if they have no distinction, if, they're no, if there's no distinction between them. To put it differently, there are no perfect synonyms in, in Hebrew, certainly not in classical biblical Hebrew. Eifo and Aye. So he says like this, more common is the word afo. If I want to know where something is, or where a person is, I say, afo, who, where is he? Like it says, afo him ro'im, when Shmuel was going to anoint David HaMelech, afo him ro'im, Shaul HaMelech, afo him ro'im, where are they, where are they tending the flock? I think it was Shaul HaMelech. Or afo Shmuel David later on, where are Shmuel and David? Afo Shmuel David, where, meaning, um, I want to know where to find him, which town or which address. Epho lakatet hayom, Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, Epho lakatet hayom, where did you go to gather? They were gathering grain. Where did you go to gather today? Avala shoel aye, but a person who says aye doesn't want to know where. He's surprised that you're not where I thought you would be. Aye doesn't ask for the location, it's an expression of surprise. You're not where you used to be, or you're not where you should be. You're not where I expected to find you. It says in Eov, Roav Yomro Ayo, those who see him will say, 
where are you? I'm surprised to see you here. Fancy meeting you here. Where are your earlier kindnesses? The, the, um, I'm not sure who says to him, I, I admit, that's a pasuk in Tehillim. That's a pasuk we all know. The angels in the guise of Bedouins who came to visit Avram Avinu, they said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? Meaning, why isn't she with you? I thought we'd find her here. We see you sitting outside the tent. She's nowhere to be seen. It's an expression of surprise. Where is she? We've got something to say to her. Where is she? It's surprise. She's not in her expected place. Says Revia, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, I want to tell you about Rav in a moment as well, but says Xava Kabbalah, that's the meaning here. Ayeka Hashem said to Adam uh, uh, in, in, um, uh, in the, the Sanhedrin in the Gemara, it says, Ayeka la'ana where is your heart inclining? Like, where are you going? But the way the Vilna Gaon puts it, which he quotes, is beautiful. Ayeka, contemplate, think about yourself. How did you fall from your lofty position? How did you fall from where you were? I created you with such greatness, with such purity. What has become of you? Ayeka doesn't mean where are you? And Adam responds, well, I'm here in the garden. I was afraid, so I hid. The meaning of Ayeka is consider how you've fallen. How did you fall from your perch, from your height? Where is your level? And here, I just want to conclude by reminding you something which I mentioned for those who have been to Kesha. I mentioned Rav Yonason Eibschitz, beautiful comment. He was my friend from last year, but as I always say, I've got to keep in touch with your friends. He says, Ayeka, a beautiful remez. Ayeka is Aye where? Chafhe. Chafhe is 25. Says Rav Eibschitz, man's soul was created on the 25th of Elul. We're less than a month away from Rosh Hashanah. On Rosh Hashanah, we celebrate the creation of man. Man was created on the sixth day. That means the world was created on the 25th of Elul. Hashem said, let there be light. And that's when the soul of Adam was created. Ayeka, Hashem said to, to Adam HaRishon, yesterday, Ayeka, on the 25th of Elul, you were with me. Your soul was in the heights, in the loftiest heights. And now you're keeping the company of the serpent. Now you have fallen into the clutches of the Yetzirah, the Sitra Achla. That's Ayeka. Where are you? Not where are you spatially, but where are you compared to where you should be? What has become of you, Ayeka? But in this way, he explains that wherever you see the term Afo, it means where are you geographically? Where can I find you? Aye or Ayo or Ayeka means what has become of you? Why are you here? Why aren't you in the exalted place where you should have been? Okay, so we've uh, studied tonight together three uh, uh, comments of Xavah uh, Kabbalah about Liminehu. We said that the He and Vav alludes to what it says in Shir Hashirim. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, says the Vilnagon, like a Hassan and a Kala, because it's not just Piha or Piv, 
but it's pihu. It's the intimate connection, which brings with it the capacity for creativity, for propagation, for procreation. That's the minehu. We learned about miluas hearts v'chiv shuha. Fill the world means supplement what the world is missing, which is the technology to harness the power of the world. And after you do that, the chishua subdue your Sahara, because the technology which frees us can equally enslave us. And then finally, just now we said, Afo and Aye have two different meanings, as we've explained. Hashem said to Adam, Ayeka, you've fallen from where you were, from your greatness. Ayeka, what has become of you? Those are my thoughts that I'm, uh, I personally enjoyed studying them. And I hope that everybody um, will uh, uh, enjoy listening and come back again next week. If you have any questions, comments, then uh, now's your chance. You can unmute and we're happy to hear from you. I hope everyone had a wonderful Yom Tov as well. I got launched right into my subject without greeting you properly. I hope you had a wonderful Tishrei, exhilarating Simchas Torah. If you're here in London, you know we had great weather in Sukkot nearly till the end. Our, our luck ran out around Simchas Torah time, but Baruch Hashem, we're looking forward to good things in the year ahead. Yeah, thank you. How far did you get through the Sedra, Rabbi, with uh, the little time that you had? Uh, well, I, I got a head start, I have to say. I'm about three quarters of the way through, but it's very long. It's only because I've been working on it for weeks. I started, I started before Rosh Hashanah. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I've done, I think, quite well. I just need to try to, you know, push through to finish it before Shabbos. I don't think I'm going to quite succeed, but hopefully I will finish Bereshis in the days to come and onward to Parshas Noach. Thank you. Thank you. So next week, same time, please, God. Yeah. Okay. And I apologize for those who had trouble getting on with the um, cause of the link. But if you're here now, you obviously succeeded. Tell your friends. We'll see you next week.